Oh, gee. Oh, gee, gosh, golly, Willikers. I can't wait to start this week's episode of Analytical Fanboys. Chris, are you excited? Um, am I? I don't really care. I mean... How, how could you not be excited? We're going to talk about K-On! This is the best anime of all time, according to Digibro. Uh, it's, I mean, yeah, it's but it's that, Digibro. That opinion is immediately at fault. Come on. Fair enough, but I mean, come on. You cannot not love this show. It's so cute. Oh come on, man! It's it's just the cutest thing in the world. You got those girls, and they're they're in the class. They're they're talking to each other, saying, doing funny shit. It's very cute. Yeah, they sure do exist. Well, I mean, yeah, everything exists, and you know that's got that's got to be a pop. Oh god, this is going to be another half hour long episode, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we tend to get those. Yeah. Oh man, it's almost like uh oh we might uh we might need somebody to help, somebody to somebody to save us. Uh uh crap. Um What? I'm awake. What? what? <laughs> I heard there was something what it was a cute girl cartoon are you guys talking about Shira again? Oh uh, we I I mean we could be. We we were gonna the talk about two things. Or- so I guess we can bring up Shira. I hear no, that's fun, cute. Fun fact. The original She-Ra was, was developed uh, in part by J. Michael Straczynski. Not too many know, people know that. Or Babylon 5. Quite a prolific man. You know what? Fuck it. This conversation is going nowhere. Let's just talk about Disney's, Marvel's, Kevin Feige's, Stan Lee's, Jim Starlin's, Jack Kirby's, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Avengers, Endgame. Register trademark. Episode of Analytical Fanboys. I am, of course, one of the boys who are analytical. I am Simeon the Vacuuminator Scott. And joining me tonight is, as always, the infinite Chris Boingo Ryder Gaston. Hello. Uh, hi. Uh, hey. I am inevitable. And I am uh, a fucking nerd. Hey. Uh, you know who else is here? Special guest star for the evening. What is this, a crossover episode? It's the marvelous Jacob Database Ranger Brody. Greetings, Ranger fans. Way he said He's about thing. to go on a Brody's quest. I, I said the thing. I said the thing. I, I, am, I am deeply evitable. Hence why I'm only on here occasionally. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. evident all the That's time. That's why he's listed under friend of the net of the channel. Um but uh, we, we love him nonetheless. Anyways, tonight we are not talking about K-On! Because we realized that would be a really boring and meandering discussion. And instead we're talking about something that uh, for us just came out in theaters. For you is probably about to hit Blu-ray because, uh, hey, production delays takes, are a thing. That takes, that takes two weeks now. It's true. But we're going to have a different boring and meandering discussion about something... Uh, that has just made over a billion dollars in like in like five days. Hey, it's Avengers Endgame time, everybody! Woo! Okay, yeah, all right. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna start this off because uh, we don't 
usually do big movie stuff right away, and the Infinity War podcast was a bit all over the place, and nobody listened to it anyway, so who gives a fuck? Um, we're, I'm going to start with our guest tonight, Mr. Jacob Brody, and everybody is going to give like a general sort of thoughts on the movie, and a best thing, and a worst thing, and then we're going to dive into some freeform discussion, and we're going to go until either... One of us needs to go to bed or we run out of things to talk about because we're recording a bit late tonight. Um, So, Jake, what were your general thoughts on the movie without getting into more than, like, three sentences? And what is your best worst thing? Now, are we we doing any spoiler discussion initially or are we waiting on that? Yes, like I said, the movie's probably about about to come out on Blu-ray, so spoilers abound. All right, just confirming, just confirming. Um... I had a lot of mixed thoughts on the film. I thought that it was uh, ambitious. I liked a lot of the premise and what they were going for in the deep dive into the lore that they've built up over 22 episodes, or 22 <laughs> installments. Um, this did feel like season finale of a 22-episode series where every episode is two and a half hours long and that's, that's it takes 10 years for one season Avengers to come out so stuff. you know sort of like a typical disney cartoon um takes 10 years for one season to come out but uh as far as my best thing worst thing because i did have a lot of mixed feelings about it um i'm going to choose to go with the best worst thing which okay. is which is uh loki and the tesseract mm. because ooh, that was ooh. i i i have I have things to say about that. That was hilarious. It was just a great moment where you're just like, what? what, what, what? But at the same time, it's like, that was also where the movie started to just completely unravel. Yep. Yep. And it's right. like, wait, uh, what? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Chris. I think that's my best worst thing. Chris, general thoughts and best thing, worst thing, or best worst thing, I guess. Uh, as a pretty diehard lifelong Marvel fan, this feels like the best of the best of the dumb crossover stuff that they've done. Um, just in a general sense. Uh, best thing? There's a lot of best things, so I'll make a quick list without going into details. Professor Hulk was excellent. Uh, the reference to Namor, excellent. Um, and the final battle. Excellent. Uh, worst thing, uh, I'd say they overcomplicated, they overcomplicated how their time, time traveling works to make it more distinct while it's very rudimentary when you look at it from a different point of view. It's basically, it's basically Michael Crichton's timeline. Yeah. Yeah, there's an easier way to put it. It's running by Harry Potter rules, except when they make a change, it makes a different timeline. Kind of don't experience it. Okay, so in other words, it's like Harry Potter rules, except not. (laughs) All right. Um. So I feel like I got pretty much what I wanted out of this movie. I got a really nice, good, clean-ish end cap to the MCU. It's a great jumping-off point. Um, I really liked the first act. The second act was incredibly muddled and hit or miss for me, and I loved the third act. Um, as far as my best thing, worst thing, best thing, I'm going to go with that entire scene where Scott Lang first comes back and is figuring out that the snap happened, 
and then meets teenage Cassie Lang because that's setting up a potential stature. And I, I, I like my favorite Marvel thing right now is the entire Ant-Man family of characters. So getting to see that that might actually have a chance of happening in my lifetime was kind of wonderful. Um, oh, Red just also played that scene excellently. Yeah. Uh, worst thing... Chris, we're going to have a big old fight. I did not like Professor Hulk. What the fuck? <laughs> it's a classic Marvel thing. That's like saying you hate MODOK. I know. I know it's a classic Marvel thing, but it didn't feel earned at all to me because they didn't set it up and it came out of nowhere to, to me. They set it up in the last it, movie. How did they set it up other than Hulk is gone now? Like, it didn't... They set it up because Hulk and Banner have always been at odds. And they basically went like, "This life is too short. Fuck it." All right, I'm I'm gonna quickly play a little bit of a mediator here. In that, I will say that they set up the conflict, but they did not set up the resolution, and then yes. we just skipped over to the resolution. Thank you. But that's that what the time skip big... is for. Yes, I know, but it's it's it, it gave some, me a similar feeling to the worst. Skip to post resolution. It gave me a similar feeling to the worst parts of Young Justice, where it's like, this is a cool idea, but I feel like the journey to get here would have been way cooler, and because of the time skip, I'm not going to get to see that. Yeah, but also, I'm, like I said, lifelong Marvel fan, I'm extremely used to Joe Fixit, Professor Hulk, uh, Maestro, all of those kind of things, so I just immediately fill in the blanks in my head. It's like, oh, this happened. That's fair, but um, I know I just said, like, I love the Ant-Man family of characters, but I'm traditionally not a Marvel guy. Like, I've enjoyed the movies a whole lot, but a big part of the reason why I want to step off after this movie is because I'm more of a DC guy, and I'm not looking to, like, go camp and be like, DC is the best, DC is number one. It's, it's just, like... I have other things I want to do with my time, and Marvel is not nearly as important to me as those other things. You've had your fill of the Marvel storytelling. Yes. And I, I could I revisit it in comics in the future, but as far as movies, I'm like, if even though there's a Spider-Man movie coming out in a few months, I'm probably not going to see that for a few years. I will admit, I, Homecoming is the only um, MCU film I still haven't seen. And when I saw you tweet that the other day, I, I nearly went on Amazon and bought it to send to you. Homecoming oh, is probably one of the best. It was, Homecoming's that, in my top was, five. That was, a, that was a choice at the time, mm -hmm. and I just haven't, uh, haven't decided if I'm going to, when I'm, I figure eventually I'm going to die, uh, I'm going to just take the dive and check it out. Um, I, I just haven't decided the circumstance. Without... Without getting into a Homecoming discussion, I will say, as far as adaptation goes, I think it is the best comic book film ever made. It perfectly adapts early Spider-Man. I very much enjoyed Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I know is something of a controversial opinion. I did as well. And, um, and mm. the loss of the Amazing mm. Spider-Man universe... Uh, is something that I had a very sore spot for for a long time. So yeah, but, I did not want to go see a movie I knew was going to make me angry at the time. Yeah, but and anyway, this movie, um, 
Ooh. I don't know. The Professor Hulk thing, I feel like I could have liked it, but it, it just it didn't feel like it was earned. And I felt I felt a little bit gypped because the producer or the the directors, the Russos, had said in interviews of like, oh, Marvel has an arc planned for Hulk over the next few movies of like uh, Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Endgame. And uh, it's going to be really interesting. And because of that, we don't feel like we need to do a Hulk movie. This makes me feel like, well, the Hulk movie could have just been him getting to this point, And it would have been great. Yeah, but it, universal bullshit, right? Yeah. Um, but, and, I, and another thing, I'm, I, I'm fine with it. Because, like, the last movie, Captain America was Nomad. Yeah, yeah he was nomad in spirit. Um, he was, I, I, I will he say, was nomad in my heart. <laughs> yes. One of the best, one of the things that made Professor Hulk work well, um, or, or at least well enough, was just that Mark Ruffalo was so good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mark, Mark Ruffalo is is a fucking national treasure at this point. The Hulk um, dabbed. Like there are a number of things where. Story-wise, it might not have felt necessarily earned, but the actors made those elements work. There's a lot of things in this movie that you kind of just have to slap a fan service label on it to be oh, okay yeah, with it. And like, okay, I'm a toku, I'm a freaking Japanese media guy, so I should be okay with that more than anyone else. But it did like certain things annoyed me and other things I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And, and I still yeah, that's the thing. You're not a diehard fan. There, yeah. were a num- there were a number of issues with the, uh, with the movie that did hurt it for me. Uh, largely from a, from a plot perspective and from sort of a metatextual perspective. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, let's hit on what could potentially be one of those things. The big controversial thing in this movie. I just want to get this elephant out of the room and freaking put a shotgun to its head as far as the discussion is concerned. Fat Thor. Did you guys like it? Not like it? Fat Thor is the best thing ever. I honestly could not decide from moment to moment. I was the same as Jake. Um, like, Here's the thing. Walking out of the theater, I hated it. I've softened up on it considerably since then. Here's the thing. Thor has been on this trajectory of comedy to kind of mask the pain. That mm-hmm. He was like that in Ragnarok, and he was using a lot of Earth humor. He was like that in Infinity War. He was kind of trying to be a little bit more quippy to kind of go like, no, half my people didn't just die. Thanks for asking. Kind of like he was gritting his teeth going like, I'm telling a joke. Uh, Like the all words are made up thing. Um, And this time he just went like, nope, fuck it. I don't care. Yeah. And that that was kind of the thing that inevitably made it okay for me was like, when you look back at Thor in the MCU, his entire character arc is not an arc. It's a, it's a slippery slope that he keeps trying to climb up and falling back down. He keeps learning his lesson, and then something shitty happens, and he either forgets it, or he or he decides to take another tactic to life that's kind of bad. Um, because depending on your view, because, because Thor's ultimate arc isn't he must become worthy. It's realizing 
even though he's a god, he cannot control destiny. Mm-hmm. And he has to have a let go of that control. And by this movie, he finally has, and he's just gone completely the other end. And through the movie, he learns that moderation that he needs. And I will admit, I did like the stuff with him towards the end of the movie. Like, I love that in the final fight, he's basically cosplaying as a member of the War Raiders. Um, <laughs> One thing is that... that um... He's basically Volstag for a good part of the movie, which is a little weird after they, you know, killed off Volstag very unceremoniously. Yeah. yeah. Another thing, it also partially reminded me of Odin. How? Okay. I've heard people say that. I don't exactly understand it. Can because you, Odin was a bigger set guy and was someone who reveled in the excess that Asgard had created without acknowledging the suffering that it has, as we see in Ragnarok. And, okay, okay, I understand now. And that's what he kind of was telling Thor at the end of at Ragnarok. is like, yeah, no, I fucked up. I completely fucked up, and now my fuck-ups are hurting you. You gotta be better. And Thor didn't take that to heart, and so he goes through this movie, and it's not until his mom says, hey, Thor, you can just be you, live your life, that he goes like, okay, thank God. And he lets that go and becomes a hero again for the final yeah. uh, final act. Like I said, I, I there's moments in Thor's arc I like. I like him cosplaying as a member of the War Raiders. I like him seeing his mom again. Um... I even liked him going, yeah, I don't know what the fuck my purpose in life is, so I'm just going to go shit around with the Guardians of the Galaxy for a movie or two. Bye. Um, and I I really liked the fact that, and this is something I'm going to try and bring up as often as I can, there's a ton of little like winks and nods to very recent Marvel stuff in this, like Stature, like new Asgard, which is a thing from Bendis's run, which only just recently wrapped up, where during an event called... I Sorry? That was JMS, actually. Sorry? I think that... Uh, yeah, Asgard, it, was in the early, it was in the mid-aughts that new Asgard really yeah, started. That was, that was yeah, but, was in but I mean, in, like, uh, post-1900 stuff. Yeah. Of, like... Um, during an event called Siege, I think it was, Asgard got brought down to Earth, and it wasn't until Fear itself, which, hey, fun fact for anybody who keeps track of my life weirdly, uh, Fear itself was the first event that happened when I was into current comics. Um, during Fear itself, Asgard gets put back in its proper place. Um, yeah. So it was it was cool to, to have that little nod to, like, recent Marvel, and... Um, yeah, and like Falcon America. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to get to that. Yeah, I, I, um, I thought that was good. Uh, a force. However, the general, the general, just like jokiness of it felt a little like I get you need comic relief in your movie. It felt some, something it, of poor taste a lot of the time. I thought. Yeah, it felt like well, he he's in a self destructive spiral. I don't know if we should be laughing at it necessarily like i'm not one of those yeah. people who's going to go crying fat shaming um yeah, but that, that's I, definitely uh something that a lot of people have been accusing it of and that, that's a very fair point i, I saw more as like laughing at the fact that he's basically the dude 
yeah, like they I literally call they, him Lebowski at one point. I think they could have explored the self-destructive behavior and and you know had the humor without doing the fat joke so much. I feel like that that just kind of pushed into a little bit of a awkward, uncomfortable territory. Mm-hmm. Here's the it thing. was just a fat suit. It felt very unceremonious, especially after. Infinity War literally had the most hype moment Thor has ever had as a character. Yeah, that's true. Dude, Ragnarok, fucking immigrant song, though. Oh, that was great. Um, I'm still in the camp that's like, I didn't hate Ragnarok, but I didn't love it either. I, Taika Waititi can do no wrong for me. I okay. honestly, like... The humor for Ragnarok was fun, and the visuals for Ragnarok were especially fun. Yeah, um, that okay. was that was just well, uh, that was just great all around. Yeah. All right. Well, I I just brought up a thing, so why don't you guys bring up uh, our next uh, talking point? Because I don't think there's too much else to say about Fat Four. Um, uh, go ahead. I'm, I mean, I can I can bring up probably one of the parts that I had I struggle with the most. Okay. Um Black Widow. That's I think it's a fine end for her. One. What's up? I think I think Widow going out the way she did makes sense for her character. I liked it, but here's the thing. I immediately knew people were gonna be mad about it because A People never seem to be happy about what is done with Black Widow, and they, they they've done a lot of stupid stuff with her. And B, while I was sitting in the movie, I was sitting in between two women of our age group, and literally during that scene, I looked at both of like I didn't like stare at them, but I glanced at both of them, and they both had the same like arms crossed, growling at the screen look, and I. I was like, I'm not going to laugh. I'd be very disrespectful and probably get kicked out of this theater. See, I don't understand why you would be angry because she ultimately died self-sacrificing the most heroic way, coming from being an assassin doing dirty deeds done dirt cheap. Like, Yeah, it completes there, her character arc room, from Avengers of, of I've got red in my ledger and I want to get it out. And... Uh, from a character standpoint, something in poor taste. She got quite a bit of red out. From a character standpoint, I get it. I get why her character would do that, etc. Um, in terms of framing, um, like it felt, and it happened to to Gamora last movie. It felt like a bit of a fridging, and the framing of of even the shot was identical to Gamora and it, it had that same level of discomfort to it. But from, well, from just I, a I, meta I, standpoint beyond that. I um, understand being upset with it, but I felt like, I feel like the scene immediately following it with everyone on the dock being pissed off that she's dead does a lot to soften the blow of like, Look, this is a major loss for everyone. You're supposed to feel upset about this. Right. And it's not a traditional fridging, because a traditional fridging is kill a woman character to make a man feel pain. For this, it's to kill a woman character to complete her arc and acquire the next piece of the plot puzzle. Well, 
at the same time, though, it was also to spare Hawkeye. Uh, it was also so that Hawkeye could be happy with his family was the other thing. It, there were a lot yeah. of things. Go- there were a lot of layers to that that made it. It, it also pissed Bruce off quite a bit because I think yeah he was the one who threw the bench right. Yes, uh, uh, Hulk did. Yes, but also it it completes their friendship arc where and the first time we see them together, she's gone like you saved me from becoming a bad person, and she's going like nope, I'm not going to let you become go to be Ronan. And then not be able to come back from that. And I think it, it also completes her story in this movie of she, like you said, Chris, like at the start of the movie, she's terrified of going to try and stop Clint because she she's just heard all these horrible rumors about what he's become. And we actually get to see a little bit about that. And uh, I know in the context of a movie, it's supposed to be this horrifying thing. But I, I so want a Ronin movie after that scene. That was awesome. Well, we're getting... Well, I mean, the, the biggest thing I think that softens the blow is is the knowledge they are working on a Black Widow movie. Because here's the thing. Yeah, the prequel. It, the one, like, pretty much the one Avenger who they kill off is, outside of Hawkeye, the only Avenger to not have their own movie. And Hawkeye's getting a and Disney Plus series. And she's the only female Avenger of the original team. So just that, those layers of it where it's like, okay, you killed her off, but you killed off the only original female Avenger who was I also mean, the-, the only Avenger out, outside of the guy who gets to live happily with his family at the end who hasn't had their own movie. And it's just, and it's a character who's been in a bunch of movies who's also been mishandled a bunch of times and you killed them off, and it just feels uncomfortable. Uh, That's with true. That but but like I said, I I get the uncomfortable reaction because I feel like it's supposed to feel uncomfortable. Um, like I had the same. I had you brought up Gamora, Jake, and I had yep. the same thing with the the Gamora death of like, yeah, this sucks. I hope we get her back in Endgame. Um, but it it works from a purely story perspective because it's showing how much of a monster Thanos really is. Right. And, and it shows the weight of the stones. The, the, but the, one of the issues is that media doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like, within yeah. the context of the events transpiring within that story, with, when you isolate it, yeah, that it makes sense. You know, she's more competent yeah. than he, he he is. She'd also be better at, you know, winning the fight to who gets to die. It makes sense that, you know, the one without the family would be the one who's going to be more willing to sacrifice themselves. Um, it's just, like, you know, she's the major one who didn't get her own movie. She's the only girl of the original team. And on top of that, Another bit where it just continued to feel uncomfortable was when you keep layering in things like, for instance, you have 10 people on this time travel mission. Mm-hmm. Two of them are women. The only two who don't make it back from the mission are the two women. And it's just like, okay, I understand plot-wise why this happened for each of them, but metatextually... That's fair, but I feel like there is a thing 
we're we're not bringing up here that does kind of help this a whole lot too and i wasn't sure if i wanted to save this for talking about that scene in general or not but i'm just going to bring it up now the one shot of all the women still in the universe coming at the camera and doing like a, like a big badass ladies the moment. a-force scene the a-force yeah. moment yes i feel like that was the filmmakers deliberately saying yeah we know but things are about to get a whole lot better and honestly, I don't think that's one where it was actually the exact opposite because it worked from a metatextual standpoint where, yay, we're getting to celebrate. Yay, we get to see all the all the women of the MCU in this one great shot. It represents what's moving forward. Fantastic. But that shot also made but that shot conversely didn't make any sense in the plot of that moment. either. Yeah. I love Honestly, that shot. It's a great shot. But here's the thing. It's like, how are you going to get through that army? We'll back her up. And I'm like, looking at this, I'm like, okay, this is Captain Marvel. She just, just flew through a spaceship. She's not going to have any problem fl- flying through, through the people of this army, not around them, through them. And Since I'm just like, been... Okoya, you have a spear. What are you going to do? radium spear. Since we've been talking about female representation, us free cis white guys have been talking about yes. female representation in this movie for the last few minutes. Do we want to just talk about Captain Marvel now too? Sure, sure. I, I feel like it's one of the the way that this movie handled its female characters. I felt like one of its biggest missteps, just in 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 how they all kind of. All the the little issues of each of them just kind of pile together mm-hmm. into kind of a pervasive issue. Because here's the... Th- okay. I came out of Captain Marvel very lukewarm. I didn't dislike the movie. I didn't think it was especially great. I went into this being like, okay, this is the thing that's going to make me like Captain Marvel because she's going to be in the sort of Iron Man front main person of the universe slot going forward. They're probably going to put a big effort into making me like her in this. And then walking out, my opinion of Carol in this movie is, what was the point of seeing her solo movie? She just shows up at the start, does a helps out a little, and then she takes out a big gun in the final battle. And I don't feel like I needed to know who she was beforehand for that. I mean... To an extent, it's it's helpful to know who she is so she doesn't come out of nowhere because she is such a heavy hitter that it would be strange to just... That, that's out. true. Like, but, it's a catch-22 thing. I'm going, well, if she didn't have a bigger role, then what was the point of seeing her solo movie? But I can also picture, like, dude bro never been on the internet, yeah, you, never you, met you the You don't know who she out. is. and she do, Well, you, you don't just toss in a character like that into the universe and, and leave that... Uh, bombshell in there without some context yeah. and also the that movie gives more emotional context rather than plot context for why she's in there because it establishes why this woman who is majority cosmic she barely is on earth because that's what she's dealing with in the movie she's dealing with all the other planets that don't have avengers mm-hmm. um why she still has a connection to earth and why she still wants to help protect earth itself I would have liked one or two scenes of her doing that, though. Like, 
in an alternate version of this movie, I think a very cool thing for them to do would have been like, if you still want to have the four shirking his responsibilities thing, you could have had a subplot of them, like her and four going off and helping planets throughout the universe. Where would you put it though? We are already in a very tight movie. That, that's the thing is like, I'm like, there's fixes here, but this movie's already long as shit. Yeah. Like, okay, let's the, talk the about thing it. With Captain Marvel, is that she she was not well integrated into the plot. I felt, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, she was about as integrated the... into the plot as many other comic book characters are in comic book events. Yeah, and that's the thing is this isn't this isn't a team movie. This is an event movie, and there's certain thing certain hurdles you have to get over with that night or you can or you can't but i was i was a little one thing that's unfortunate is that because of the fact that this was basically being produced before captain marvel was actually produced they had yeah they filmed all of her scenes in these two movies before they even started captain marvel yeah oh wow i didn't know that yeah, this was such a crazy big movie, so they hadn't that figured out her character yet, and it's a shame because I, I like I will I'll admit Captain Marvel is I'd say probably a, a mid tier Marvel movie in terms of you know the, the the plot's nothing super intensive, the visuals aren't super mm-hmm. super uh, fantastic or anything, but I thought that Carol was at least a fun character who I liked. She was very likable. I thought. Um. Mm. I did did some cool stuff with the scroll. I like that. that? Yeah, yeah. The scroll. Yeah, I think I think the I think the bait and switch with the scrolls is the best part of that movie. Um, but uh, one of the big things of Carol's character is that you know she she is presented as very snarky in in her movie, and in this movie she's completely humorless, and it's a little bit uh a little bit jarring to have. I don't want to use the word seriously enough person uh, being super serious in all of her appearance in this movie. I guess you could say she learned her lesson. Yeah, but it wasn't really a lesson she had to learn. That was supposed to be like she had some snark when she was interacting with Peter. Yeah, but it was still just like very little as far as in her appearances. Um. Um. Alright, I feel like we've been very negative so far, so what's something you guys liked that we can talk about for a little bit? Mjolnir. Mjolnir? Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Come on. Captain America wielding Mjolnir was amazing. Let's 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 not that Okay guys. When that happened, my theater turned into a fucking wrestling crowd. There was a holy shit chant. That was that was one of that was one of the great moments of the movie. Oh yeah. Like I went to the first showing in my city of the movie, so it was a packed house and there was a lot of reacting in general, but like the audience lights up moment of the movie was that. And then immediately following that, people were chanting holy shit for like the entire time until the fight got back on Thanos' side. But um that was, I also that was really like I also I really love the like... Go ahead. Go. Okay. I also like 
another like little favorite moment for me was they called back to the first Avengers by having Cap deliberately hit the shield with the hammer to distract Thanos. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I li- I like how Thor was not like upset, like, oh man, why are you taking my hammer? He was genuinely like, fuck yeah, I knew it. Yeah. Bro, Which, we're hammer bros. That was really nice. Mm-hmm. And then they do the dick joke in the big fight. <laughs> yeah. No, you take the smaller hammer. Though, okay, see, like, here's, here's the thing with this movie. I love Mjolnir coming back and getting to see Cap wield it as a fan service moment. But in my head, I'm going, wait, how the fuck does that work out in the timeline? Because Captain America takes it back and puts it back where it was. It was they I didn't it. see it in that briefcase. He did. It wasn't in the briefcase. It was beside he him. He in the briefcase. He carried it with him when he went through the time portal. Okay, I must have completely missed that. Yeah, it was. Le- it was leaning right up against the side of the portal right before he left. Yeah. All right. Uh, and he just he took it back. With him. He, yeah. Yeah. He put it back. Right. Put it back where he found it. Well, complete uh, retra- re- retracted. That's the word. Yeah. But- uh, I will say, with regards to time travel stuff, though, and time- and him putting stuff back where he found it, I want to know. How do you put back the soul stone? How does that you go work? up to uh, I, that should have been the post credit scene of him going want, up to yeah, Red Skull and tell you exactly like, what I want what I wanted for a post credit stinger. And we may get that as a what if episode. That'd be interesting. This is what I wanted was Rogers Schmidt. The soul stone is no longer here. Oh I know. I'm here for a refund. That's not how this works. Hauls out Mjolnir. I wasn't asking. <laughs> That's what I wanted. Because that would have been just a perfect sign of, oh, they're, good. they're just going to bring her back. They've broken every other rule of the way their universe works. They can bring back Black Widow if they want. It, we don't need to see it. But that was the consistent rule for this movie. Is like, if they died outside of the snap, they don't come back. Here's, oh my god, somebody, somebody write me a fan fiction where Black Widow is Stephen Peggy's unicorn. Hey, I'm, you know what? I'm going to quickly... I was messaging Marissa this because <laughs> she, was, she, was, she, was, she was deeply bothered by, by the loss of Black Widow. I, I'm not um, surprised to hear that. And I, I, I messaged her uh, like yesterday saying, you know, this, this, is, this is what I want. Let me see if I can find my, my little message. So, but here's the thing. Um, I, I always felt like when I was watching that, I was like, "No, she's, they're treating her like they would treat any other male character." Yeah, but uh, but here, here here's what it would have been: Sm- Cap smashes open the sm- Soul Stone with Mjolnir, uses the Time Stone to resurrect Nat. Hmm. Steve, you did good, Nat. It worked. Hands her a vial of Pym particles. Up for some adventure. Nat takes the vial. That could have worked. Well, I hear there are a lot of planets out there that need help. And then she's in Captain Marvel too. Series of wacky adventures, including a wedding. This is by far our stupidest mission yet. Fast forward to Captain Falcon at the lake. You want to tell me about that wedding ring? No. Meanwhile, on the Barton farm. Hey, Clint. I how. I was wondering if the kids might like to meet Nana Nat. 
Nana Nat tells great stories. Oh, why did you have to do that to me? Yes, I just did that to you. Oh. Nana Nat tells great stories. <laughs> Boom. There you go. Uh, All right. Well, there's a headcanon for everyone. Um, you know what I think was a big missed opportunity of this movie? What? Rocket. I feel like they could have done a lot with Rocket missing the Guardians, but not saying that he's missing the Guardians. He was. That was an undercurrent throughout. Yeah, I that's felt- why he kind of was more mature. He wasn't joking around. It's like. No, I gotta, I gotta be strong for, like, I guess gotta be. I can't be I, Rocket anymore. I'd say that mm-hmm. his, um, he was in a very similar place to the, to the Hulk, where he matured a lot off screen. Um, and that maturity was reflected in his actions throughout the movie. And because he wasn't a key focus of the movie, I felt like it worked. And I, I, he wasn't someone who needed to be a key focus of the movie. Because he wasn't someone whose story was ending. Yeah, and plus we can get plus we're getting Rocket in Guardians Three, and we can see some that dynamic kind of fallout. I did love his new outfit, though. Oh, it's classic comic. It's great. Yeah. Um, I do hope that uh, Guardians Three is pretty good because that might be the one thing that could get me to go back. Uh, but uh. Yeah, I'm like right now. I'm a little lukewarm warm on seeing Far From Home. I was more, I was warming up to the idea of going to see it because the trailers looked kind of interesting. But Endgame kind of uh, softened me a little bit on things, mm-hmm. just because it it, it was fish- such a mixed bag for me. We're getting a fishbowl head, and I'm so happy. Yeah, Mysterio is going to be a good villain to to see. I kind I kind of hope Far From Home does a lot of the dealing with what the post snap world is like. Like yeah. that's a sentiment I've heard a lot, but I really agree with it. Of like, yeah, there needs to be a scene or two of just like Peter going, "Holy shit, my entire class and one of my teachers got snapped." That's weird. Yeah, well, he was part of that snap, mm-hmm. and basically the idea is that half of the school. Uh, ostensibly has graduated. Half of his graduating class has already graduated. Hmm. But they, also... They lived on with their lives for five years without him. Also, kids that were five years younger are now in high school, so that you, you can bring in Gwen Stacy, Harry uh, yeah, Osborne. Hmm. Yeah, you can, you can really shake up the class makeup and it, it works. Yeah. And it can explain why they weren't there in the last one and why they can be here now. Be interesting like we, we've to see concern, what's in we've that first basically trail. confirmed that Ned was part of the snap. Pretty much everyone in his class was part of the snap. Oh, Any character that was important. Any character that was in that trailer. So Betty Brandt, Flash Thompson, um, Michelle Jones, yeah. the teacher who went with them on the field trip in Homecoming. Yeah. But you know, you Actually, know I think I, they put some gray in his hair to make him look older. Oh. Think would have would have been kind of great. Would have been like I haven't I haven't seen I haven't seen Homecoming as I've said, but um I know that uh, the guy they cast as Flash doesn't really fit the traditional Flash mold. 
It would have been so funny if he wasn't snapped and he got through and he had a huge growth spurt while they were all gone. That would have been insane. Oh, that no, if he that would have been cool and you could have had a nice little piece of dialogue in Far From Home. Hey, whatever happened to Flash? Oh man, no, he joined the army. Yeah. Because oh, I want that so bad. And then in credit scene, you see a bigger buffed up uh, Flash Thompson. Agent going Venom, down a uh, going down a ho- uh, ho- uh, um, hospital in a wheelchair, no legs, and then Eminem's just in the background rehearsing. <laughs> I will fight anyone who says that song isn't fun as hell. I I do think that they they did make some good choices in terms of making sure that the snap still mattered, because that was something that. I think we were all a little concerned over, which was, okay, we know they're going to undo this. Will that just make everything not matter? But they didn't by making sure that everyone still lived through those five years and then everybody got brought back. So there's this huge emotional disconnect for every, for half of the population from the other half of the population and that's why I like that first act so much is because this is going to sound really sadistic, but it's basically just 20 minutes of the Avengers wallowing in misery. And I loved that for some reason. Like I love, Tony, I love- Tony getting out of the ship and being like, no, fuck you guys. You weren't there when I needed you. I was like, oh, shit. I didn't think we were going to get this moment. And I'm so happy we are. And, and you know what? They, I thought they did a lot of bold choices. Like, for instance... You know, as I was just talking about the time skip with the snap, but also they did exactly what everybody was, you know, ready and raring to do, which is, okay, we're going to meet up with Captain Marvel. We're all going to go back and get Thanos. That's what everybody was ready and raring for this movie to be. And that was the first 10 minutes. And, and it's it didn't so unsat. It's exactly as unsatisfying as it should be because it's not it's not the Avengers saving the day it's them getting revenge and what's the thing that is in all media about people trying to get revenge you're not going to be satisfied yeah, it's and finally a revenge story actually deals with that i felt like that was all handled very well i liked a lot of elements of that um and i did like i did like elements of the time travel idea cuz i thought okay you know what yeah you're committing to um, I mean, it's the Marvel of style time of time travel. travel. It's the Marvel. Yeah. That's how they. It, that's how it's always working in the comics. Yeah, I don't have much experience with time travel. Marvel I, I have not. I, I I have not read too many time travel stories with uh, with Marvel, so I wasn't sure. The best way to explain it is with Age of Apocalypse, where basically Kitty Pride has to go back into the past to f- make it so Age of Apocalypse doesn't happen. Yeah. But ultimately, Age of Apocalypse still happens because that is her timeline. Her past still happens to her. But the timeline that she affected makes a new timeline. Yeah, mm. and I thought so, I thought that it was smart that they're basically like we can't undo what we've experienced, but we can use the past to fix the future. Yeah, and I thought that was and that's a, how that it was usually a good works way to tackle the time travel thing. And it was, and it was and like that makes sense for this story and for character wise. We need them to still have that baggage going forward. But you have that scene with the Ancient One 
where she's like, well, if you take the Infinity Stones, then all of reality is going to collapse. Yeah. I'm like, well, how did... I, I understand that Cap goes back and puts them in their place, but how did that universe not just implode before he got there? Like, what because held he went, it together? Because like, he went to the exact same moment. It's it's a it's a degree of how they're how that continuity is working. Um, basically, a way to think of it is: um, Have either of you guys read uh, Michael Crichton's timeline, or or maybe seen the movie back with Paul Walker and Gerard Butler a few years back? I don't know how well the movie addressed the time travel approach there. I I've not heard of that. The way that they handled time travel there was basically very very similar to what they did here where it was essentially you shrink down and are transmitted through quantum foam uh into an a temporally offset version of the universe and you travel and they could travel back and forth to this uh to this other time that in this case it was medieval era so they were able to go so they could go back and forth to that same time period that kept chugging along so the idea here of what's happening is they traveled instantaneously there could spend as much time there traveled instantaneously back fine and then when they go back there events had not progress had a chance to progress without them their return okay um well, ostensibly like T- any time travel thing is always all wibbly wobbly. The problem with time travel is, 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 is no matter how much you explain it, there's always going to be questions. Yes. See, the way I imagine, uh, like, take the ancient one scene. I imagine the second Hulk disappeared, Captain America reappeared. Basically, yes. That was the intent. It was like immediate. That's possible. But then my my other question about the time travel is, so they establish right, like. We have to do this right, no meeting our younger selves. Cap fights his younger self. No, and... that they made a they made fun of that. That was yeah. Scott Lang saying, Oh, we yeah, don't leave your younger selves, and Hulk went, That's bullshit. That doesn't make any sense. That's no, not a rule. Well basically he was saying okay. are you using back to the future rules? Yeah. Well oh, you Hulk still, says you that's still wanted dumb. to avoid changing things if you could. That was the main, yeah. main thing. Confession, to I was that. walking out to take a piss during the scene, and that <gasps> was the last thing I caught. So I... W- yeah, no. Hulk calls it bullshit. Okay. Okay. Um, but well, the then main I guess thing- the time travel is fine. It's here's, fine! Here's, here's, some, here's some key things. Here, I said okay? it's fine! Okay, go ahead. Do you remember how he ended the fight with himself? He- That's a, that is America's ass. Well, right before that. I hated that joke. How he actually ended uh, the fight. Come on. Not oh, he what... said Bucky's alive. And then what did he do? He knocked him out. With? What? The Mind Scepter. Oh, yeah, he bopped his heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. Who do you want to bet? He just wiped his mind of that whole encounter. That's entirely possible. I mean, all the events that happened in that little bit made a tangential universe, so it's yeah. not like it's leading directly to it made the, our... It made the universe for the Loki show. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. what it is. Now, that was the one bit that really broke 
how things were progressing. Because there's no... They made no effort to fix that or address that after they had just broken the rules of that universe and their t- whole time travel. I feel like that would have been a lot more acceptable if if Disney had just stepped in and thrown an advert on screen for a second there of like, buy Disney Plus in three months and find out. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. Um, that's all it was. Wait, okay. So I was that's kind of okay with it because moment. it's a character growth moment. But I've seen a lot of people complaining. How do you guys feel about Cap saying Hail Hydra in the elevator? Does that does that make Winter Soldier not make any more sense to you now? No, it because here's the thing. Again, it's a new tangential universe. Hmm. Because now those guys think he's Hydra, and when all that shit goes down, that Captain America is just going to be in a weirder place because they're all going to go, wait, you're Hydra, right? What? No, this isn't written by Nick Spencer. Yeah, this, ev- everything... They really did not do a good enough job of avoiding changes. They really didn't. Yeah, no, and, and it was mostly just them, because everybody else, like, got it good. They were fine. Yeah. It's that just was actually, Cap and Tony couldn't keep their shit together. That, that was actually one of one of the other things. Like... When you get right down to it, the the people who who did nothing wrong were the ones who who didn't make it back. But the main guys, who like the core three main guys, you know, each did major screw ups, mm-hmm. and then the fallout was, oh, they they get to reconnect with their lost loved ones. Wait. Do you, what? Do you know why? Do you know why that happened, Jake? Because they were trying to resolve their character arcs and not everybody else's. Because their faces are on all the toy packaging. Yeah. But still, there was no consequence, really, for their screw-ups. There's no consequence in the universe we see, but there is a consequence in the greater multiverse of Marvel. And again... I'm right. not trying to excuse I'm, the movie. I'm, I'm not saying that makes it better. Oh, yeah. I'm no. saying there are no consequences for, for it's them. It's entirely a taste thing, whether that's going to stick in your craw or not. And it was, it was I think a little for bit me, of a minor, Jake, it right. does more so than you, Chris. Yeah, because I am incredibly used to, oh, yeah, no, this comic's just in a different timeline. Oh, okay, cool. Like, oh, there's I'm not, like. I'm not... I'm, I'm referring less to what happens with the splintering timeline and more so. Um, okay, your hero screwed up, and your hero experienced no consequence for that screw up, and that 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 always uh, I, I, it, it, it bugs me a little bit. Captain not, America not like and Iron Man screwed up, and they had to go through a more difficult situation. Yes, but it was a more difficult situation that allowed them to reconnect with lost loved ones. Mm-hmm. Thor basically yeah. abandoned his mission. And got heartwarming words from his mom. So like all three of these guys. Like that's the thing with Fat Four is I is like I don't know why they brought him on the mission with him in that state. I feel like they would yeah. have left I, I feel like they would have been like Bruce babysit him. There was that was one of those things where it just again feels kind of uncomfortable because he doesn't actually feel like he's you know going to be able to contribute outside of just 
He knows the palace. That's the only <laughs> thing that he could do. Like the fact that Rocket kept going, go woo your old girlfriend. What on earth made you think that was a good plan? What yeah, made you think but here's the thing: sense? Rocket was never the plan guy. Yeah, Rocket's a shithead. So yeah, that's a. It makes complete sense with the characters. Rocket's a shithead, and he goes, "Oh yeah, no, I got Thor with me. He's fat, and he's a depressed piece of shit. But yeah, he can go woo his girlfriend. Come on, let's do it." But and we're not ostensibly okay. they planned everything out before leaving. So that means that everybody else was on board with the, oh yeah, this Thor can totally woo his old girlfriend. I think I think everybody was under the impression that that they were going to sneak in and Thor was just going to be the scout and go like, okay, we need to go here, need to go here. And Rocket was just going to sneak. And Rocket was just being a shithead. Like, all right, let's go do this. But that scene's not in the movie. Yeah, no, but, it's yeah, not that, in the movie. But it, that it, doesn't feel. Uh, it also doesn't feel like what was going on. It doesn't feel yeah. like Rocket was deviating from a plan. It felt like Rocket yeah. was trying to keep him on plan, which meant that yeah. they worked out that plan and everybody thought it was a good idea. Which, who in what universe would think that was a good idea? All right, well, we keep we keep getting stuck on not so great things. So I right. I want to talk about something I think everybody can generally agree was really nice. All the actors they got back that we never thought we'd see again. That was wonderful. They got Robert Redford. I know. they. Robert Redford, just for like a freaking afternoon, came into like the front built, front room of some building and shot a scene with them. Yeah. Like, I don't know I, how they kept that under wraps. Like, they just Natalie Portman so was in there for like two seconds. But like, Robert Redford actually had like a little scene. I'm like, mm-hmm. Robert Redford, you're here. And then they had... They had um, movie Howard Stark with TV Jarvis. I lost it at TV Jarvis because that was was the first time that movies have actually acknowledged the TV shows. I know. Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are officially canon, people. Yeah. The Netflix show is probably not, but yeah. They'll be a canon in three years when Disney Plus starts making them. Yes. <laughs> when the contract runs out, I will say another thing uh, that did no, not that was make fuck- any sense. But you know what? You just the contracts. The contracts for the Marvel Netflix shows yeah. uh, have a three-year. Uh, basically, it's kind of a non-complete clause where Disney can't do anything with them because they were in partnership with Netflix. So even though Netflix isn't going to be making any more. That Disney and Marvel either. can't get access to them. Oh, that's weird. Um, but um, Marvel. I thought I thought the whole point of Marvel Studios was fixing the we don't have the rights to our shit problem. Yeah. But uh, one moment that was, uh, like, okay, this makes no sense. But you know what? Fine. It 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 works aesthetically. I'm rolling with it. I'm on board. Where did where did Valkyrie get a Pegasus? Uh, she has it. Uh, she has it. It's an Asgardian Pegasus because she has it when she was part of the Valkyries when she was fighting Hela in the flashback. Well, yeah, yeah. But how, how did but she get it from that flashback to this she, scene? <laughs> where'd she get that? Where'd she get a current modern day Pegasus? Wait, uh, I would have. Okay, I, I am. I am filling in blanks that that I am filling in blanks that the movies aren't. So this is all headcanon. I believe the way I want to believe it, New Asgard comes from the half that was split off by Thanos 
and they just right. save the Pegasus. They save their Pegasus and put them in a stable. That's the one so, animal so, that so survived. Saying, but but it's like. You know, when we see when we see all the people, you know, getting on the refugee ship to leave Asgard, it's like I don't remember seeing any flying horses in that crowd, and I feel like they would have stood out. Uh. <laughs> or just, just or Infinite Cosmic Marvel Universe, there could be a planet of winged horses, and she just went like, you know what? I'm gonna get me another one. And she just she, yeah, she just went and got another one. She keeps yeah. it in a stable at New Asgard, and that's just her Saturday afternoon as she just rides it around like a little girl. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, did you, again. Did you get, when and where did you get a Pegasus from? Like, oh, no, we went back to Asgard and brought home our horses. There's no Asgard anymore. They, uh, where'd that come from? Uh, what's the, uh, what's the fucking realm of the elves? I would imagine they'd be there, and that realm still exists. The the dark worlds? No, those are the dark elves, the regular oh. elves. I I don't know the names of the various. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a little off to the left guard. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's something off screen guard. Yeah. It's don't worry about it. It looks cool, guard. Se- yes. Second star to the right and straight on till morning, guard. Um. But that whole, just the visuals of seeing the entire Wakandan army, yeah. the army of magicians, yeah. like, ah, oh, it looks so good. That, and then that was hear, a total, like, okay, I have a question, but I'm just going to ignore it for now because this scene is awesome moment. Because in the back of my head, I was going like, when did Strange rebuild the, the magician forces? Yeah, exactly. And didn't half the Wakandan army die during the Infinity War there battle? There were so many different little things where it's just like, okay, this is great. This makes no sense. But this is great. This makes no sense. So, like, I was constantly you just gotta You, got, you just gotta shut up and, and go with it, basically. Also, I'd imagine, like, we saw the edited, like, fuck awesome version of the events. That could have been, like, an hour, two hours, that'd been enough time to, like, regroup and go, like, alright, everybody cool? Alright, cool, we're gonna be walking through some shiny portals, uh, and we're gonna do our war cry, and it's gonna be, look sick, and it's gonna, well, it, and he's gonna say Avengers, and we're not gonna hear the second word, but we're gonna scream at the right time. Well, it's more so things like, yeah, I know, which is hilarious. That, that, that's just a, you know, I love that they're still thing, doing that. That just never goes yeah. away. It's just like, Avengers! I think he said, let's, let's just go! Let's just go! I also love you know, that they finally there was one gave us that exact panel from Infinity War, or Infinity Gauntlet, the comic. They actually did that parallel of the scene where Captain America is standing alone against Thanos. Yeah, which was nice. There, there was a lot of... There, were, there, were, there was a lot of nice stuff going in there. Mm-hmm. I would have liked if the, uh, if the final you know, big battle sequence... Um, hadn't been quite so, like, grayish-brown. Like, I recognize, yeah. yeah, we had the big cloud of debris, etc. It was hard to so, kind of keep You know, there are so stuff. many colorful heroes in there. I wanted to see a little bit more of that color popping. Like, get some more reds um, and blues in that background. Let's, you know, bring up the contrast. See all these these bright, colorful heroes all fighting side by side together and not get you know, sort of 
dimmed out and gra- and browned out by the surrounding thing. That was one of the things in terms of um, I felt like we didn't get as many uh, like visually stunning set pieces as Infinity War. Yeah, I think I think, I think, I think partially think... because we had a lot more to be in that they couldn't dwell. Yeah, the set right, pieces that the were the old movies. It wasn't. It it wasn't like we've got new stuff to show you. It's we're going to show you this old stuff, and it's going to be awesome to see it again. But I, I feel like for that final scene, um, they could have played with color a little bit more for for that big. Oh yeah, no, I agree part. with that. I uh, agree that, with that. that. There, that's from an aesthetic standpoint. One thing I wish they had done. I think it's partially to kind of just be like, no, we're in a desolate fucking wasteland. This is the end of the line. Everybody's tired. Everybody's broken. And that's the aesthetic they went for. And I understand it, but I think you can make it better. I think visually they could have hit it a little bit better. Cause you know, you've got things like, like Mad Max Fury road, which is, you know, apocalyptic wasteland, but you would not deny that that thing visually pops. That, from what I've heard, I haven't actually seen it. I've seen some footage from it. From what I've heard, that movie is literally the phrase, every frame is a painting personified. Exactly. And I but, feel uh, like for that scene where you have every hero to date fighting against a giant army of alien monsters, you, you're going to want to lean into that scene being a bit more of a painting. And, and it was very impressive. Just, I felt like uh, the colors. It, they, they were leaning too hard on certain techniques and not like they were yeah. leaning too hard on Kurskuro and stuff like that. And and like I love the uh, I did love the the two armies running at each other, especially with giant Ant Man in the background. I that, I think he, my favorite thing about that whole scene was getting to see a sequence of people playing hot potato with the gauntlet because that's. That is right out of Infinity Gauntlet. It's it's one of those comic book things you never think you're going to get to see on screen. And then, oh my god, there it is. They're doing the thing. They're doing the yeah. thing, guys! Yeah, you had Hawkeye, yeah. you, had, oh. you had Black Panther, you had Spider-Man, and then Captain Marvel's just like, I got this. Mm-hmm. She's Captain Marvel. She's got uh, this. I did see one. Uh, there's a guy I watch on YouTube called Nando B Movies. He came up with a, a different version, a different take on that, that I think would have been better. But I think they use Captain Marvel because she's the next big thing and they want to make and they want to basically go go check out her go check out Captain Marvel too. But he pointed out it would have made more sense if they made that nebula. Yeah. Because that's 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 the thing about Infinity Gauntlet, is half the book, the back half of the book is Nebula gets the gauntlet and she just she's just the baddest bitch on the planet with it. And then they have to all team up to go like, hey, 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 relax a little bit, buddy. And but what, her, her taking the gauntlet would have made the A-Force team up to, to take care of the army in front of her make more sense. It would have given her and Gamora one last sisterly bond moment as they work together through the army. And it would have also paralleled the beginning of the movie of Tony Stark and Nebula playing football. Mm-hmm. That would have been nice. Yeah, that's a good point. Which, by the way, was one of the best gags in the movie. That was cute. I also like... Nebula is the fucking MVP of this fucking movie. She was really good. She went like so much. I... Okay. I'm of two minds about Nebula. On the one hand, I really love her. 
in this movie because it shows how much of a journey that character has actually gone on, even though people have repeatedly come out and said, like, I don't know why that lady shaped her head for that role. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal at all. She's just kind of a generic henchwoman in these movies. They gave no. her a real chance to shine in this movie. She's done a lot of stuff. On the other hand, I'm a little pissed that she wasn't the one that killed Thanos. Like, I really wanted that because that's how it ends in the comics and stupid fan yeah, but they're, shit. They're, yeah, they're adapting, and I can understand that. But, like, I, I honestly think having Tony be the final thing for the uh, for this whole arc... It, it makes sense with the way that everything's been built up. Because up until this point, he has been the MCU. You can argue maybe Cap, but it's pretty definitively Tony because he had the first movie and he's the one a lot of people latched on to through the entire first phase. Yeah, I'm going to say something... I'm going to say something possibly controversial. Tony and Captain America are the Naruto and Sasuke of the MCU. Yes! Yes! I'm so, that is perfect! Uh, I, I, I'll admit, one of the things, I know I'm, I'm harping back on, a, on an old topic here. One of the things that did, did bother me a little bit was that we see Tony get a big funeral and uh, we didn't really get much for, for Black Widow, who, who also was an original Avenger who died. Tony got but, a funeral, but, Natasha got a wake, a very angry wake. Because they were yeah. in the middle of a battle, like they were in the middle of it, and they could finally... It would have been nice if they had if they, what they done is the first one was like something of Natasha's, something very personal. You like you could tell this is Natasha's. It goes by, and then Tony's arc reactor goes by. Right, but but I I, I will say this: Black Widow died as she lived in Tony Stark's shadow. Pretty much how it went, overshadowed by Tony Stark's ego. Yep. Yeah. It's like, because here's, here's the thing. I mean, that I funeral scene was introduced though. in Tony Stark's movie. Sure. You know, kind of. I mean, but like that kind of fits with the spy. I'm not trying to defend the actions yeah. and the writing because it has been incredibly inconsistent. Okay. Um, I just but it fits for a spy character to be overshadowed somewhat. I just yeah, thought I of know. this. Here's a good female thing that happens in this movie. We finally get rescue. Fuck yeah. That was excellent. That and I love that they. Goals. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I love that they changed it from the comic design because I don't know if you guys have seen Comic Book Rescue, but it's basically just Iron Man with boots. That's what that suit looks like. I love that they gave it a different color palette and a bit of a different shape to it. That was. I like the head shape. The head shape looks good. I love the head shape. I'd say that characters, uh, f- female characters, who I felt did actually get an appropriate um spotlight in, in in proportional to where they should be in the story. uh pepper i thought was handled well she got a great she had she we got to see her dealing with happy tony morning tony and fighting alongside tony yes they were defi- it was defined by her relationship there but she got to have the awesome moment of being a hero herself and having to continue on um and then I wonder if that's going to be a movie. Do you think they'll then, do a rescue movie? Uh, nah. I don't think so. I'd be surprised if they did. Same. But who knows? I have no clue what they have planned. And Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch got a great moment when she she came back with a bang. 
Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, have you heard? Okay, have you heard the theory rumor of what her Disney Plus stuff is going to be? No, please tell me. Okay, the name for the show is going to be called WandaVision. And everybody was going like, oh, that's kind of a dumb name. Why is it WandaVision? Why? And it's like Winter Soldier Falcon. Why is it called WandaVision? So, uh, and we saw more of her power in this. And it felt more like her tr- traditional power where it's bending reality through probability. What if WandaVision takes elements from the Vision comic, the recent one with the sitcom family? And they do a uh, Scarlet Witch pocket universe where she brings back the Vision, and it's a and it's an idyllic nineteen fifties nuclear family, but everything goes wrong. That would be incredible. Sort of, sort of a sitcom version of House of M, to an extent. Yeah. Also, this this I, I, dumb- I honestly just assumed that it was going to be something uh, set during. Uh, intervening as an interval kind of thing. Uh, and dumb, this is dumb theory thought. Remember how they were able to track the Infinity Stones when they were used? It releases a massive amount of gamma radiation. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So here's the thing. What if the way they introduce mutants, introduce a lot of the mutants in the MCU is um, the X gene has been more readily activated because of the three massive gamma, ra- uh, gamma radiation bursts Earth has oh, now went through. That, well, that would I, be really I'd smart. For that, if the snap, if a side effect of the snap was uh, the beginning of mutancy. That By the way, uh, since we're I'd on the say, topic, the way I say it though is like there has always been mutants. They have just been a much smaller population, and this just greatly increases their population. That way you can still have Professor X and Magneto and Wolverine and they, that, they're so old guard. That would be really smart and you know it would make so much sense with that end credit scene because I really like that they made they alluded to what's coming in the next couple movies with that end credit scene being um, Wolverine building his claws. I really like that they alluded to that. <laughs> and- Come on, that was a nice poetic I moment. I saw that right? joke on Reddit and I just had to do it too. But, like, they set up a lot of interesting things and things for the future. They set up Guardians 3. They set up another Captain Marvel. Um, they hinted at Namor, which is gonna, which would be fucking rumor awesome. Is, rumor is Namor is the villain of the next Avengers movie. And that fi- the next phase is going to be them building to him. I, mm, here, there's so many good big bads that they can do for Avengers and Avenger arcs. Like... Now that they have the rights all back to this stuff, they can do Kang, the Conqueror. They can do um, Galactus, Abominus, uh, mm. dude. They have Doctor Doom. Mm. Come on, dude, Doctor Fucking Doom. I know. I was I was very glad that they did Ego when I from the moment that I heard that Ego was going. Yeah, and here's the thing: now that they've gotten, now that they've gone through the popular characters, any character that comes up next is going to get progressively weirder. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know right now the 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 big movies coming up are we've got we've got the next Spider Man, we've got the next Guardians of the Galaxy, we've got another Doctor Strange, we've got Black Widow, we've got Shang Chi, Captain Marvel, 
I uh, hope they actually deal with Dormammu in the next Doctor Strange. With, with who? Sorry. Dormammu. Because he was kind of the villain in the first Doctor Strange, but he was only in the third act. He, I, he I was like more of a... He needed. He was, he he was, was more of a natural force. Hard. I want Doc... Like... I feel, weird saying, I feel weird this. saying this because I'm not going to go see it right away, but I really want Doctor Strange 2 to just be a, a two-hour crazy acid trip with that's Dormammu fucking with Doctor Strange. I'd um, rather it be Mephisto so we can introduce that whole stuff into the Marvel that Universe. That would be interesting. Mephisto could be interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that Baron Mordo is going to be the, the chief villain of the next movie. That's I think I forgot about him. Mordo is is supposed to be his nemesis. What if did Mordo get snapped? I don't know. That's there's still no one. I would like I would like it if he didn't get snapped, and he spent this five years hunting wizards. Ooh, that'd be great. Well, he clearly didn't do a good enough job. We had like fifty of them. (laughs) Well, they're the ones who didn't get snapped. Uh, I'm I'm just saying. Uh, I'm going to go with Mordo. If Mordo didn't get snapped, he's been doing a really lousy job of hunting wizards. That's true. Because we had so many more wizards in that movie than we we saw even in... Well, did we know the original population of wizards? Not really. It didn't seem like there were that many. But that was only in one Sanctorum. They could be be anywhere. And besides, we have other wizards like... uh, because in the MCU, we've still... already we've already have uh, Brother Voodoo. Okay, Silius, um, uh, wipe out three Sanctorums. So, like, I don't, and you know the, I don't know where else these other wizards were chilling. But. Uh, so here's something I picked up on since I got on the topic of who and who did and didn't get snapped. Aunt May has gray in her hair in the funeral scene. I'm pretty sure she didn't get snapped. Ooh, that's gonna be fucking rough. Mm-hmm. She's, it, it, oh, she's gonna become the ultra-protective Aunt May. Yeah, that explains why she's super involved in Peter's superheroing in that trailer. Uh, oh, just speaking of the funeral scene. I don't know if Happy was snapped or not. No, I have no idea if he was snapped. But I did love his moment with Tony's daughter. I loved his moment with Tony's daughter because he's... Your dad loved cheeseburgers. Yeah, it was just a little It hits us in the heart, but the kid... Like, Tony's daughter was a really good child actor because her reaction is the exact reaction a kid at that age would have is just, okay. It doesn't... It does... It's... It's like a little thing that's registering for him, but not for her, because she just she she's, hasn't really. Also, I guess I'm just going to talk about the funeral now. Uh, I was one of the five people in the audience who flipped out when the kid from Iron Man Three. Um, I said that so people know who I'm talking about. His yeah. name is Harley. When when I saw him, that was I flipped subtle. Out. Like I saw him, and I'm like, "Is that? I don't know. Is he that tall now, or is that somebody else?" Mm-hmm. Because I'm in the camp that loves Iron Man Three. Iron Man Three oh, is another solid. one that's in my top MCU films. It was solid. It was. It was solid. good. I love the misdirection of the Mandarin, mm-hmm. and the and the extreme adaptation of Fing Fang Foom. Yeah. The extreme. Oh, that's adaptation. another thing they can do for an Avengers movie. 
just do a kaiju movie. Yeah. Because there's that there's that Godzilla book which introduced a bunch of new kaiju that Marvel still has the rights to. They just don't have the rights to Godzilla. Yeah. And like Jack Kirby just made a bunch of giant monsters. Yeah. Like just imagine no villain, no overarching like oh we got to stop this thing before it happens. No, it's just shit, there's giant monsters all over the world. How are we going to stop this? Oh, oh, they could beat Univ uh it, it's is it Universal or Legendary that has Godzilla right now? Uh, uh Legendary. legendary. Okay, they could beat Legendary to the punch and make a movie called Avengers Giant Monsters All Out Attack. <laughs> no, if they did that, they would adapt the the event comic they did a couple years ago, which was Monsters Unleashed. That's true. Oh, dude, they can introduce Kid Kaiju. That'd be so cool. Mm. Uh, Again, I'm a Marvel nerd. I, I try to, I try to, at the very least, keep myself uh, informed. Uh, oh yeah, Howard I, the Duck was in the final fight. He was. Yes, I, he was. I haven't seen, Holy shit! I, I didn't see him, but that's I the first that. I've heard that. That's uh, awesome. He was in the background when Wasp was la- when Wasp was landing when they were all walking out. He was in the background to the right. That is so awesome. Such an Easter egg, and I, I still I haven't love- seen. I still haven't seen that Im- uh, an image of it. I love that idea that there's just been a Howard the Duck series going on quietly in the background the whole time, and we only get, like, glimpses of it. You know that they've now announced a Howard the Duck series, right? I did not. That's pretty good. Oh, man. Is Seth... Oh, Howard man. Duck. Howard the Duck's going to be great. Dude, if they put giant, uh, giant-sized man thing in slate. it, it's going to be great. Hulu just announced a whole slate. We've got uh, was it Howard the Duck, uh, I think something called The, the Offenders. Modoc is apparently getting a yeah. series. No, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, it's going to be animated stuff. Howard the Duck, Modoc. Uh, I saw this. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I saw a list. I, I don't recall everything on the list off the top of my. I, a Ghost Rider, I think, is 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 another one. Yeah, Ghost Rider is getting a Hulu series, and I think it's going to yeah. be either. A, uh... Yeah, there's there's just a like ten Hulu series coming out all of a sudden. That's interesting. Yeah, very strange considering, you know, everything you would think would be focused on Disney Plus, but Well, technically Disney still owns like majority share of Hulu. Oh, yeah, that makes Oh, sense. I didn't know that. Cuz they're Disney. Of course they own everything. Um, but like there's so many cool things. I just I just really enjoyed about this movie. And it, I... like again, I'm a giant Marvel fan, so I was able to notice and pick up all the dumb, dumb bullshit. I heard this movie describe someone as somewhere between a victory lap and a greatest hits compilation, and I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think it is definitely a movie of moments before it is a movie of a plot, if that makes sense. I feel feel like it's this isn't going to make complete sense, but as an end cap to this universe, you're going to get a lot of stuff that's, you can say is fan service, but is essentially paying things off and bringing it full circle and saying, all right, this story is done. A new one is about to start. You can stay or you can go. It's your choice. 
Yeah. They put this in fit in physics terms, which is, um, you know how how we've got new new uh, general relativity is is you know how the 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 world as we perceive it generally works, and then we have quantum mechanics operating at the sub at the subatomic level, and in between there we haven't quite linked them we have the, like some string theory we're trying to figure it out we haven't fully formed a grand unified theory and when you so when you get right down to it i thought the big ideas worked i thought the small moments worked but i didn't feel like everything threaded together yeah and that's the picture of howard the duck yeah chris just posted it in the chat that's oh that's good oh man um, he's he's just snuck in there <laughs> I mean, they had the model for him already. Might as well. Are those are those um, what Ravagers with him? Yeah. So Which the groups crazy. that all came out were the Ravagers, the the Magicians, and Wakanda. It's just so crazy. And as that means, technically, in this fight scene, we had the guy who played Lex Luthor in Smallville, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. And possibly Miley Cyrus? Why not? Who was Miley Cyrus in The Ravagers? Uh, remember the end credit scene in Guardians 2? She was yeah, the talking yeah, robot head. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had no idea that was her. I just knew about Michael Rosenbaum and Sylvester Stallone. Because people yeah. were freaking out, thinking they were going to be a huge part of the movie. They're probably going to be a huge part of the third movie. Yeah. I, I, I'd like that if they if they're. I was I was just happy that Michael Rosenbaum got work because he he was he was the Flash I grew up with so I have a lot of love and respect for that man. Um, right, because I in the uh, in the cartoon. Yeah. Because oh yeah, remember the one time uh, the one episode where him and Lex Luthor switch bodies and he takes off the mask and goes, "I have no idea who this is," Be, but he's both Lex and the Flash. Yes. Um, I mean, you know, technically at the time it was Clancy Brown, but I know what you mean. Yeah. In spirit, in spirit. But like, oh yeah, Peter Parker got to use kill mode. That was that was wacky. Uh, did you you didn't know about that? But that's a joke. That's calling back to a joke from Homecoming, where he's just unlocked all. He hacked his suit and got all of the stuff from his suit unlocked. And there was an Easter egg in there. Okay, and so that was the Easter egg. His AI is like, because he has a suit AI named Karen, she's like, uh, so we're going to go take out these criminals, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to enable instant kill mode. And he's like, whoa, what the heck? Don't do that. I don't want to kill anybody. Oh, no, 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 no. And then he goes, Karen, instant kill. Yeah. Stab, 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 stab. I didn't realize that was uh, that was the thing that had been referenced. So that that's cute. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, so there was something I missed from having not seen Homecoming. I figured there had yeah. to be. And, I was, I was, and some I was, of the relationship built up for Tony and Peter, but that... Like, that was stuff that could be inferred. Yeah. Um, that was one of the things that that kind of bothered me, that, that kind of turned me off uh, from wanting to see Homecoming, was just um, this sort of... Uh, the way that, so far in the MCU, from what I'd seen... They kind of treat Spider-Man as Iron Man's sidekick, and I'm just like... It's not that at all in his movie. The whole point in, in Homecoming 
is Tony doesn't want him to be. He's like, you're supposed to be better than... You are not supposed to be in my shadow. I want you to go forward and do good things, not just because I helped you, but because you can, because you actually have powers. You can be better than me. Yeah, and it's like, the best way to put it is Tony wanted him to grow out of his shadow naturally, and Peter was like, no, fuck your shadow. I'm going to bite it. Yeah, P- Peter. They both Peter's wanted the same thing, but Peter wanted it now, and Tony wanted it in a year or two. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's it is very much a father son dynamic, but in a tasteful way. It's it's just honestly, I was experiencing heavy burnout on Teen Peter Parker, and that's understandable. Like, I was just I was just so dumb yeah. with Teen Peter Parker. The two the things that have warmed me up. To, to to finally seeing Homecoming event at some point, there were two things, and that was, um, even though I I didn't play it, I you know watched playthroughs of the Spider Man for PS4, where we finally got back to an actual adult Peter Parker, and into the Spider Verse, where again we finally got an adult Peter Parker. Like, yeah. I, I was really getting tired of okay. See, here's the thing, on, because I, I'm... I grew up on Peter being married to MJ, and the fact they kept throwing him back in the high school, it, it lost its novelty after a while. They're going back to that now. Did you uh, did you hear the new run? Like, the first thing that happens in the first issue of that run is he goes to MJ, is he goes up to MJ and is like, hey, my, my life has been completely crazy, and I just realized you're the only thing that has always been good for me. So you want to give this another shot? And she's like, yeah, sure. I, uh, have so they gotten like rid of one more day? Right? No. Which is why Linkara is still refusing to read. Hold on. I'll be right back. I'm being called. Okay. Yeah, they didn't get rid of the relationship. They, the, 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 the divorce. They just said, we're going to work back up to it. It's all just such a ridiculous thing. Mm-hmm. One, more um, day. one more day was one of those things where, when it first came out, I'm like, it, it took me for such a loop that I was interested to find out what happened next. And then once I found out nothing was happening, I'm like, okay, so this was just, this was just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spider-Man in general has kind of been in a weird place for the last couple of years. Yeah, like the last like last years. last couple decades, I should say. Um, like, I, I'm not gonna lie. I grew up on the Clone Saga. I remember when they tried to do that the first time. Yeah, and see, my my grow up on Spider Man was the '90s animated series and the Raimi films. Well, and, I, I uh, also I grew up on '90s animated and uh, and Clone Saga. Hmm. Uh, the Raimi's film. And, at that point, I was in high school, going into college. Hmm. And I was just never on board with Tobey Maguire. Like, I liked the movies well enough, but I never thought Tobey Maguire was a good pick. I, I, see, like, I, I liked those movies fine as a kid because I was willing to wait for the scenes of Spider-Man doing Spider-Man stuff. Now when I watch those movies, I am bored to tears by the out-of-suit stuff, and it ruins those movies for me. I'm not one of the people who is like, Oh yeah, the Raimi movies, classic childhood stuff. Let's make them into a bunch of memes. I actually find that a bit annoying. They they had good visual visual iconography for mm-hmm. Spider-Man. 
Like the, those were the strong aspects of those movies. They had they had some good villains, especially Alfred Molina as Doctor Octopus was the best part of the Raimi trilogy. Uh, alongside, See, people keep telling me they love Jake that and that it's amazing, but I can't I, I can't get halfway through that movie before I'm bored and want to turn it off. Like I said, Alfred Molina though is the best part of that movie. Him, him, and I keep amending this, and J.K. Simmons throughout the trilogy as J. Jonah Jameson is excellent. We can. I will give you J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons is. You can, ne- is you can never go wrong with J.K. Simmons. Yeah. J.K. Simmons I would is com- just universally amazing. It would make no sense at all, but I would be okay with him playing MC- MCU J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, yeah. Just, and I think he'd be up for it too. Mm-hmm. He's just he's just always up for whatever. He's the yellow M&M. He'll do whatever. Every time I, I, I hear J.K. Simmons, I'm always, it's, it's always. Is Chris back yet? But yeah, we, we did get, we did get a lot of good moments in, in Endgame. Even, even if a lot of elements didn't quite pull together for me. Honestly, the thing that where I really felt like they had thrown the the time travel making sense fully out the window, even though it was already a disaster by the time the moment that Loki's disappeared with the uh, Tesseract. When we had um, had the spaceship come through the the time portal and it's just like, what? Yeah, that's something we what? haven't touched on is Thanos in this movie as a character. Um, Very strange. Because they kill him in the first few minutes and you think, all right, it's just going to be a fetch quest movie. And then you have that stuff at the past that reintroduces him. And I have seen people all across the board with how they feel about how that worked. I've seen some people saying like, oh, they just regressed him into a big, dumb cartoon level villain. I've seen some people being like, oh, I love this. It totally makes sense. I can kind of see both viewpoints. Um, they gave us the Thanos that we didn't get from the first movie that everybody expected him to be. The, I want to kill 50% of the people because I want to fuck death. Did he ever oh, say anything about death? That's still not No, what I'm saying is they gave us that mentality of Thanos. The, all right, fuck you. I'm going to do what I want. I'm gonna kill you. See, that's not how I took it. I took it as um, he saw, he learned about this future where he he succeeds in his plan, and he goes, "Wait, nobody moved on. Nobody learned. This didn't work. Well, fuck it. I get. I guess new plan. I'm just gonna completely make a new universe from scratch, and people are just gonna instinctively know how to handle overpopulation." I think one of the things that and it worked for me was as far as Thanos goes um, that he acted as an interesting juxtaposition to the heroes and what they were dealing with um, trying to undo a past with trying to take a past failure and make it right they were deeply humbled by their failures and we saw that He's basically informed that you will succeed and still fail. And 
he was not at all humbled by that. He, instead of that, doing what they did, blaming themselves, trying to figure out what they did wrong, trying to make it right, is like, no, you did this wrong. All of you were wrong. I'm going to go even farther now because I am always right. And it was just this very different approach to how to deal with failure. It's also like an inversion of how they were in the first movie. The first movie, they were like, no, we are right because we're the Avengers. We, we know we're right. Uh, and Thanos felt he was right because I have this giant air quotes, nuanced philosophical approach to how the universe needs to function. And I believe in the, and I believe completely and totally in this concept. And Thanos won because he, in a way, analyzed himself and was like, all right, cool. This is the path. And the Avengers were reacting because that's what they do. And this, they were like, okay, why are we doing this? And why is it morally right? Because we have the opportunity to fix our wrongs and make people's lives better and remove this grim reality that we are in. And Thanos is the inverse. He believes he is right because it is inevitable. I think there was also something interesting here in that we got to see through this movie, uh, we, we basically got to see two different paths for Thanos. We got to see um, how, he, how he behaves when he's winning. And we also got to see how he behaves when he's losing. Because here's the thing. No matter what, he was going to keep trying. But through this movie, he got to see the futility of his success to an extent. And we got to peel back and see how he deals with, with perceived failure. And you get to see underneath that who he really is. And it's just a monster. It's someone who will destroy everything to not because not just because he believes it's the right thing to do but because he needs to be right and you got to see how ugly he was underneath all along to an extent that you weren't necessarily able to fully see in the first movie yeah also he had a sword that looked like helicopter blades and i'm taking that as a reference to the thanos copter <laughs> I've seen people. I've seen people say the same same thing. It's That's, very it's silly. Not. I think he has that weapon in like a in like a current in like a recent run of Thanos comics, but still. Yeah, which is another like cute little allusion to to current Marvel or recent Marvel, I should say. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yes, Thanos copter. I think that was from like a. No, that specific panel is from... It's from an issue of Marvel Team-Up. I know. The original one is from... Long before Thanos Copter was a meme, I watched a review of that comic. But, um... They revisited it in a uh, Deadpool comic. That's great. And I think that's from the Deadpool comic panel. Okay. I'm not sure. Might be. Also... Another thing that's happening in the MCU, technically, kind of, in the corner of your eye, Deadpool 3. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that they're plan- they're still planning that. Or, I forget, 
did they say they're doing Deadpool three or they're doing a straight up X Force movie? Um, so far the only sure. the, the only confirmed word I I've heard is Disney has basically said yes, we own all the X Men stuff. No, just because Deadpool is rated R does not mean we're going to ignore it. Yes, we're going to use Deadpool. Hmm. 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 You know what would make a fucking great Deadpool movie? What? The Mercs for Money uh, storyline they recently did. That'd be pretty good. With uh, Slapstick and... There's a couple others. I only really remember Slapstick because he's fucking great. I'm a little amused that this uh, that this discussion of Endgame basically is perpetually veering into a general discussion of the MCU because there's really no other. Because that's what this movie is. It is not a movie. It is a it is a end cap to a universe. It is the the last ten minutes we've been missing from every movie we have seen so far. Yeah, it is the season finale of a 22 episode series where every episode of the show is two and a half hours, and it takes over ten years for the full season to come out. Exactly. And you know what? To adapt a comic book, I think that's honestly the best way to adapt a comic book universe. They basically took... It's like a a British television series. Ten years to come out with... Ten years to come out with 22 episodes, and every episode is like two and a half hours. You you but, heard it here first, Tumblr. MCU and Sherlock are literally the same thing. Basically, no, yeah. because MCU actually has good writing. Oh, I'm not touching that. Also, both have Martin Freeman vintage Cumberbatch. I'm surprised. I'm surprised these movies didn't do a meeting between those two. Eh. Uh, there's still time. I mean, technically, Martin Freeman's character is just a liaison. Between the American Wakanda government right and now. Shield, yeah. and Wakanda, like he's just a liaison kind of guy. He's just a, hey, I'm here to mediate. He's he. From what I've heard, he was basically Coulson before Coulson was a thing. Coulson was him. Like they're both they're both mediatory kind of people. It's, it's a shame Coulson didn't make it in. Yeah. I was surprised with them going back to like Avengers and shit. I I, I would have. Thought they would have gone and seen him, but they're there right after we, the final we, we battle. We got him so. in uh, in Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, looking um, like a snack. I admit, I'm way way behind on uh, Agent of the Shield. I, I like, and here's a I am too, and it's sad because I kind of stopped watching the season they start doing Ghost Rider, and I love Ghost Rider. I watched the first two and a half seasons, and I was like, this is enough of this show for me. I don't feel like I need more of this. Well, here, here's what happened for me. I was, I also watched the first two and a half seasons, and then during, in between, um, during the hiatus of season three, in the middle of season, season of Peggy Carter came out, and uh, of Agent Carter, and I, and I wanted to see the second season of Agent Carter before I continued with, um, with the third season of Agents of Shield, and but I missed the second season of Agent Carter, and I haven't had a chance to uh to catch up on that because that's never posted anywhere you should try and dig it up somehow it's really good though insanely disappointing in a way that i can't say because it's a spoiler 
Yeah. But hey, we're getting uh, what if we're the first episode that they've confirmed is what if Peggy Carter became Captain America? I know. I'm so excited for that. It's pretty great. Because um, there's a whole it's not exactly the same thing, but there's a whole actual what if Marvel story that I feel like they're going to take a lot of inspiration from where in it, if I remember right, Peter Parker also became like the Hulk instead of Bruce Banner. And like it, it, the thing that made me think about it was Steve Rogers became Iron Man. Here's all I, I just want golden oldie. That's what I want for the what if series. Hell yeah. Give me you know, Aunt May as a herald of Galactus. Let's just do that. And we're good. Oh man, that's good. I have a feeling that's going to be the next Thanos arc. It's going to be Galactus instead. That could be yeah. interesting. Like the next at the end of the next Avengers, whatever smaller villain they fight, the end credit scene is just going to be looking at space, and you just see a bolt of silver fly through the sky. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, I'm right now. I'm kind of holding my judgment on the next saga of the um mcu until i oh i i i completely understand i'm just a dumb fuck who likes to speculate i mean just just in terms of being invested in and you know and saying oh i definitely want to go see such and oh yeah no no, i can understand like as i am not saying that i'm not saying you shouldn't get off because i know you guys aren't as invested in you know, I've, I've, been, I've been on the train for, for a good long while. It's just uh, a lot of Endgame didn't sit right with me, and it's it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'm I'm still kind of interested in what comes next, but I'm not like super hyped for it right now. You're because, not chomping at the bit. Yeah, because and part of that is because I didn't feel like Endgame... Um, I felt like Endgame had too many elements that didn't quite land for me to be hyped for the... So too much. Like I felt like it was solid. It resolved a lot of things. Um, you know, there were a lot of good moments, but it was also emblematic of a lot of the problems of the MCU itself at the same time, and brought a lot of those problems sort of to the forefront. Kept it from being a, a truly enjoyable movie in. And that, and that was those were my feelings on it. Yeah. All right. Well, I was about to say we're coming up on two hours anyway, so we should probably start wrapping up here. Jake, is there anything else you feel like you need to say about this movie? I felt like there was. I, I, I pretty much kind of wrapped up my my thoughts right there for the most part. Uh, I will. I will also just give a quick uh, shout out to their. Uh, great uh, effects on messing with age. It's, it, it makes time travel so easy when you can just mess with your actors' ages. All we, got yeah. to see young, we got to see young Michael Douglas and old Chris Evans. And, and old Chris Evans. I think that was just straight prosthetics really on Chris Evans, and it was incredible. Yeah. I don't think that was straight prosthetics. I think they may have used some prosthetics and digital it up a little bit. That was, that was the same sort of technology they used on Peggy and Winter Soldier, just evolved to the point where it is now, and they nailed it on him, I thought. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't tell it was an effect at all. 
I was like, like, no, that's got to be Chris Evans' dad or something. It took me a moment to be like, no, that must be an effect, but it's seamless. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Aging effects have gotten really good. All right, uh, Chris, what are your sort of closing thoughts on this whole thing? Um, this is an end, and I can and I see all the ends. But as a diehard Marvel fan, all I see are all the beginnings that I am really excited for possibilities. I I want to see Namor. I can't wait for Fantastic Four. Uh, what I can't wait to see what they try and do with the X Men all the ancillary things with that because I I have been invested in the Marvel Universe for so long that it fills me with immense joy when you hear middle-aged women talk about a giant purple alien made by a guy in the 70s trying to entertain kids. Like, that's a thing we I think ultimately we need to understand about all of these movies is these were characters made for teens and kids to show them morals, show them a way of life and be entertaining. And that's what they are. And so we get a lot of goofy shit and I'm excited for the fact that all the goofy stuff that I really enjoy is now able to be part of the modern pop culture lexicon so in like 10 years i may be able to just go like oh yeah do you know about beta ray bill and they go like oh yeah i know beta ray bill it's almond yeah. thor and that fills me with immense joy that i get to share this thing that i've loved for so long with so many people now uh, think about this like 10 years ago who would have thought Oh yeah, there's going to be this giant, massive, uh, you know, this 22 film series, uh, concluding on a giant, massive battle where we celebrate every bit of continuity throughout that entire run, and like, Ant Man is going to be the heart of it. <laughs> it was like he kind of was, yeah. Despite it being a send off for so many other people, but who would have thought that from? Like, go back, 2008, tell a person coming out of The Dark Knight saying, hey, by the way, this movie may be really fucking good. It's a good-ass movie. But in 10 years, people are going to be talking about Giant Man punching a Leviathan and a talking raccoon. And they're going to look at you like, why the fuck are you talking to me like this? I just came out of a movie. Who are you? <laughs> um, like, why are you talking to me about the future? What do you know? Who's the president? You don't want to know. Too much. You had to fucking go there. Okay. Um. Yeah, come on, let's face it. Who would have believed that ten years ago? I, like, I don't re- know. Regardless um, of anything else, who would have believed that ten years ago? Okay, so I'm... Live in a bizarre universe. We live in a splintered timeline. All right, I'm going to uh, sum up my final thoughts as I don't feel like my opinion on the film has changed too much during this discussion. I still feel like 
I got the end I wanted. I enjoyed that part of it. As a movie overall, I think this is kind of muddled in places. Um, but I'm still happy I went and saw it. I'm still glad I got this t 10, now 11 year long experience of watching history being made essentially because you can say like oh the toho godzilla movies or universal monster movies they didn't set out for those to all be in continuity with each other and they're not really super connected it's this is find real filmmaking in a lot of regards and yeah. nobody else and still nobody else is actually doing it this was a history making moment and this film itself was kind of a celebration of the fact that they made history. A lot of the time travel was essentially them going, guys, look, we did it. Nobody thought we could. They all thought we were crazy. They Nobody believed in us, but we did it. We made a we made an interconnected movie universe and it all works. Look at us. Aren't we great? And to, in a certain respect, that's cool. I, 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 I can get why people like that so much. Um, but for me, really the best parts of the film were the essentially the two issue um infinity war aftermath story that opens it and um the uh the basically tony's funeral and all the little shit that comes right after that 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 was the stuff that made this film great to me i i enjoyed getting that end cap to the universe and um I don't think this is going to stand on its own real well as a film in the future, but I think it's very well made, and uh, it, it does what it needs to do. So I, I, I don't feel like I can give it a negative or a positive score. I'm just going to say, like, yeah, it's, it's exactly what it needed to be, and uh, I'm okay with that in most respects. Uh, I'll, I'll just bug you when something interesting happens. Yeah, you, you like. Here's the thing. I opened this by saying like, "Oh, I'm done with the MCU now." I didn't mean that as like I'm done forever. I mean that as like I'm not gonna rush out and go see every movie from here on out. It's gonna the be way I the way I interpreted what you said is I'm done picking up the uh, the monthly issues. I'm going to pick up the trades. Yeah, it's 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 going to it's going in the class of things that I like to call I'll get to it when I get to it. You know, you don't. This is something that a YouTuber we, uh, Chris and I watch called Few Adams said very recently, and I really agree with it and take it to heart because it's been my experience with a lot of media. People come to things when they come to them, and they should be allowed to still say, hey, this is great in their own time. And uh, that, that's how I'm going to treat the MCU from here on out. But if Beta Ray Bill pops up, I'm telling you to go watch that movie because it's Beta Ray fucking Bill. <laughs> of course like are. Avengers first Avengers movie was when they really displayed their proof of concept and said, you're going to want to check all of these out because there's going to be a little something. Oh yeah. That and Thor. I think Thor get, I think Thor deserves a little bit more credit than it's gotten because it has a little wonky film style. I feel like Thor is a bigger piece of the foundation of this whole thing than we give it credit for. Well, true, but, um, even even with Thor being a foundational piece, I'd say Avengers was what sh was the one that showed that they could deliver on the promises being made by the other movies. Okay, see, so here's the thing. Guys, you said guys, first guys, guys, I'd love to continue this conversation, but we literally just did our wrap-up bit.
<laughs> that's so, the thing about that's the thing about the MCU. It never wraps up. All right. I hope that whatever the future of the MCU is, that they take you know this one to an extent had to deal with the the sins of the past movies. Yeah. For Ill. And I hope that this is kind of gives will give them a clean slate moving forward to continue to evolve and do better with their next run. Do all the things they didn't feel like they could do before and take on new levels of representation for their audience and the embrace um, storytelling that people that's what I'm hoping for the for the next. I want to put money down. I bet Captain Marvel two has Camilla Khan as a as a side role, not yet powered, but she's in there. That'd be cool. Um, that would be a great step in the right direction. Of if we're placing bets on future films, we're not getting. Um, I'm not. I'm. I don't think it will happen. But I would love it if Ant Man three is just. Cassie Lang becoming either Stature or Stinger because the, her current continuity is basically a pink version of the Wasp called Stinger, and they might just jump straight to that, and I'd be okay with that. But I would love it if that's the third Ant-Man movie, and then it ends with big reveal, Nadia Van Dyne exists in this universe, and we're going to get Unstoppable Wasp. So many things that Marvel can do, and it's like, ah, like, dude, they could do Iron Lad with the kid from Iron Man 3. Yeah. Mm. They can easily set up Riri Williams any way they want to. Uh, like, we've gotten the, you know, the traditional classic square jawed, you know, white blonde played by a guy named Chris, uh, the last, for the last, for a good chunk of the last 20 movies, and now, Everyone else should get their chance to to get their own. Think because they were going through the A, but they were going through the A characters because those were the money makers, and those have always been the traditional white dudes. And now we're getting, and now we have a chance. Now that we've built this whole universe up, and they've all had their stories told, and they're all done, we can get out of that and look at new stuff. And it's exciting to see new stuff, and I'm hoping to see- like there's right. so many. All right, reboot of we'll- Blade. We will. We will we'll talk more off recording, but for now, <laughs> Jake, tell everybody what you do and where they can find you on the internet. I am Jake Brody of Database Rangers Power Reviews. If you search for, for Database Ranger on anywhere in the internet, but most notably YouTube, you will find me uh, through my Twitter, Facebook, etc. Um, my YouTube series is a um, long-running uh review web series focusing around the Power Rangers universe um, while telling its own story integrating into the Power Rangers universe. So you should definitely check it out. We are uh, 87 episodes and counting. Uh, Plus we do weekly live reactions to new episodes of Power Rangers and Super Sentai. Uh, Real quick, I just want to say I need to catch up on Power Rangers, but every episode of Power Rangers I watch, I immediately go watch your review of it. Thank you so much. I appreciate nice. that. I did just really good insight. I love it. I just wanted to say that person to person. Thank cool. you very much. Uh, and we did actually, and we are trying to tackle also the occasional real world issues. So feel free to check out um, 
my most recent bonus video, Conversations in Context, uh, Autistic and Awesome. So discussing uh, Autism Awareness Month. We ju I just released that this week. Yeah, really interesting insights in that. But uh, Chris, tell everybody who you are, what you do, and where they can find you. I am Boingo Writer. I do video editorials. Uh, uh, they're like vaporwave video essays, I guess. <laughs> like, I just came to the realization that's my aesthetic, apparently. Oh, God. <sighs> <laughs> all right. Is, is that all you want to say? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, YouTube, uh, Instagram. You can go to my Discord server. Link to that is in the description. Um, be a cool person. Whenever you watch someone's cool video, leave a like. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I am Simeon Scott. I am the creator of many different, very, like, zealous projects all around the internet. Uh, you can find most of that stuff by going to thatsimeonscott.com. It'll take you to a YouTube playlist of every video I have ever made. But most notably, I am known for a character called the Vacuuminator, who is a uh, tokusatsu and general geek media um, enthusiast and talks about it and also deals with various weird psychopaths who also make videos trying to disrupt his life. And... Uh, yeah, that that's a whole thing. That's a whole story I'm trying to tell. I, I'm doing I'm doing a YouTube kind of MCU thing. If you want to check that out, you can maybe do that. I don't know. Okay. It's your life, man. But you could also uh, you can follow me on Twitter at that Simeon Scott, and you can follow me on Instagram, which is at that Simeon Scott, but with underscores in between the words. If you want to keep up with uh, my day to day life and whatever kind of bullshit I'm doing. Um, as for this show, though, Analytical Fanboys is a production of Modular Media, a free C. You can look that up and figure out what it is, because I can never remember it. <laughs> Chris, do you remember what it is this week, or uh, are we just not going to explain it? Creative Collective Cooperation. Hey! Okay. So uh, it's, it's a thing where a bunch of people get together, and they share resources and knowledge and make shit. It's, it's essentially one of those kind of things. Um... But right now, Chris and I are only are the only members, and uh, Jake is occasionally around. Um, and uh, we make podcasts. You can listen to all the podcasts by subscribing to the channel, and you can listen to them on the go if you don't have YouTube Premium by going to the link in the description to the Google Drive folder and downloading them as MP3s. You can also follow us on Twitter at the Modular Media and subscribe to our subreddit r slash Modular Media. Until next time. We have been Analytical Fanboys, and next time we will be discussing Dragon Prince, whatever that is. Chris suggested it, so I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, it's Netflix series by the same people who did Legend of Korra. Okay, that might be interesting. We'll yeah, find out. Odd, but, uh, but I've heard it's good. Yeah, but we'll see you next time, people. Bye-bye. Excelsior. Farewell. Uh, well, no, sir.